And you're on with Jim Dawes. And right now, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Coming to you on the Mojo 5 radio network and back on the Talk America radio network. You can listen on demand anytime on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. I'd love to hear from you. You can shoot me an email at Jim right now, right now, Jim Dawes at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail at 772-245-0750. That number again, 772-245-0750. Leave your voicemail there and we might use your call on a future broadcast. Well, as we come to the end of this week, um, once again, all the oxygen has been sucked out of the room by this Russiagate hoax that Robert Mueller refused to allow to die a natural death on Wednesday when he came out and started pouring gasoline on the impeachment fire, the smoldering impeachment embers that the left wing of the Democrat Party is trying to stir up. Um, he did this right on the heels of uh, Robert Mueller really starting to begin his investigation into the wrongdoing by the deep state in earnest. And I believe this was uh, a, a last-ditch effort by Mueller to change the subject and uh, put the uh, Trump administration back on the defensive. Um, and we're going to talk uh, in depth about this issue. I know we did almost all of yesterday's show on the topic and we're going to do the second half of the show. We're going to have on Gary Goldman, a, a, a really great analyst on this, uh, and we're going to cover that. But in the first segment of the show, I want to talk about a little bit of the other news of the week that um, was underreported because of uh, this continuing Russiagate hoax. And there's been some good news this week, actually some <laughs> Really great news, and also a couple of uh, examples of the continuing derangement of the leftist Democrats in this country. Uh, Last night, of course, you've probably heard by now, but the president announced that he's going to be um, imposing economic sanctions against Mexico for its failure to control the huge waves of migrants from Central America transiting through its country and then showing up at the U.S. border. Now, in a perfect world, the U.S. Congress would take action to protect uh, America and reform our asylum laws and authorize the construction of this wall that the president is determined to build, which really is the only uh, ultimate solution to this. But absent the ability for uh, the establishment in Washington to secure our borders, President Trump is using every tool in his box, and uh, and it's perfectly appropriate that he sanction Mexico uh, for its acquiescence or active encouragement of uh, of the continued invasion of our country. And these economic sanctions, of course, have taken the form of tariffs. And he announced that on June 10th, your humble host's birthday. Uh, he will in, uh, invoke 5% tariffs on all U.S. Mex- or, uh, Mexican goods imported into the United States and that that uh, 5% will escalate uh, by 5% each month on the first day of the month 
up until uh, we have 25% tariffs on Mexican goods unless and until Mexico takes actions to stop these human flows. And the truth of the matter is it's far easier for Mexico to, uh, to secure their border than it is for the United States because they have a, uh, a very narrow land, land border down on the southern tip of Mexico that uh, could fairly easily be secured. Mexico is all in favor of the United States becoming, uh, you know, a part of South America, um, a Latin country that they can exercise greater influence and control even than they already do. And they have, um, you know, turned a blind eye to what's been going on while at the same time paying lip service uh, in order to, you know, try to placate Trump. He, He had previously threatened to shut down the entire border, which would have, um, you know, economically devastated not only the manufacturers on the Mexican side of the border, but also, uh, you know, our trade into Mexico. He backed off of that promise, as he is wont to do. He uh, makes, uh, you know, dire threats, and then when it comes down to actually implementing them, he is often uh, backed away from it. He did that when he was... uh, promising to impose tariffs on European automobiles to, uh, to benefit the American domestic car manufacturers. Uh, he, he's done it now with the trade ter- or the uh, steel tariffs from Canada. Uh, he has lifted those after, I would add, uh, many of the American uh, steel manufacturers had geared up with the uh, belief that those, they could uh, count on those that new economic reality with uh, with imposing these steel tariffs on uh, Canada. It doesn't do any good for us to try to keep China from dumping their cheap steel into our market, their subsidized cheap steel into our market, if all they have to do is export it to Canada and allow them to do it as a proxy. But the president has lifted those uh, those tariffs now uh, to the great disappointment of uh, of the domestic steel manufacturers. So if the president uh, does follow through with these uh, economic sanctions on Mexico, the scare lobby uh, in Wall Street is telling us that it will hurt U.S. consumers. Their line is that uh, that tariffs are a tax paid by. U.S. consumers. There has been um, about two years now of actual experience with this while he has imposed these increased tariffs on China. And we have seen that that is actually not the case. In order to try to hold on to their markets, these, uh, these Chinese manufacturers have had to eat that increase uh, in their costs through tariffs. And in fact, the cost of imported goods in the United States during this time of increased tariffs have actually gone down. So they're lying to you, these globalists, when they say that uh, American consumers are going to pay for these tariffs. In fact, the uh, the foreign manufacturers desperate to hold on to their markets will have to eat these tariffs, and, and it will damage them greatly. And now he has used this cudgel against Mexico in order to try to get them to do something about these uh, waves and waves of Central American migrants dragging their children up through Mexico 
actually they're being put on buses by uh, by Soros nonprofit organizations and delivered to the Mexican border and then released into the interior of this country. The Mexican president has responded by uh, uh, urgently requesting a meeting with Trump to try to head this off. And um, I just hope Trump sticks to his guns because uh, the pressure on Mexico, both by Mexican manufacturers and by uh, the supply chain in the United States, is going to be extreme to actually secure their southern border and stop these uh, these migrants. If it gets to 25 percent, it will devastate the Mexican economy. I promise you that. So. Obador is uh, is uh, under the gun now. I suspect uh, the next thing he will do is try to increase tariffs on the United States, and that'll backfire on, on him as well because um, we export into Mexico a small, small percentage of what Mexico sells into the United States. And on the uh, the same topic of border security, it was announced uh, this week, quite uh, you know, almost by surprise that we build the wall, Brian Colfage's group, that takes private donations and builds uh, sections of border wall on privately owned property on the border, has completed its first section. Uh, and it is just outside the wall uh, that, uh, that ends at uh, the Texas border near El Paso and extends to another section of wall um, about a mile away and very strategically and very competently, we build the wall and their staff uh, that includes uh, Chris Kolbach and Steve Bannon and Tom Tancredo and others have, uh, have uh, contracted with the Fisher Construction Group and in record time and at a very affordable price, constructed a one-mile section of wall that closes a gap that was being exported by people, tra- traffickers, and drug smugglers. Absolutely brilliant um, project. It was quickly reacted to by the local Democrat mayor by uh, issuing a cease and desist order, uh, insisting after that they hadn't obtained the proper permits when, in fact, the city was on site and authorized the initial pouring of concrete. So this is uh, just pressure by the open borders lobby on this Democrat mayor to try to do something about this private effort to secure our border. And I predict it'll fail. Now, um, we build the wall may end up having to take them to court. Um, and you'll get some, you know, friendly ruling from some border uh, judge. But uh, ultimately, they're not going to be able to stop this because this is on private property. Um constructed by private funds. I got a sort of a long clip for you here. It goes on a couple of minutes and it's Chris Kolbach. The audio also on this clip is kind of rough. I wish they had done a better job at miking up Chris Kolbach instead of using a boom mic because the wind uh, really makes it uh, hard to listen to. But I want you to uh, hear directly from the scene down there on the border in New Mexico, just outside of El Paso, Texas, where We Build the Wall has uh, notched up a major milestone. Hey, this is Chris Kobach, General Counsel of We Build the Wall, uh, giving you an update on where we are now 
about uh, two and a half days into the project. Um, it's amazing how much progress has been made. So as uh, those of you who've been following us know, the uh, this, this gap that we are standing in and building the wall in uh, is one of the most heavily trafficked corridors on the southern border. Um, there was human smuggling down here on the flat part and then drug smuggling up there on the hillside. And the crazy thing is, that the uh, city wall, the wall in the city of El Paso, it's El Paso from Juarez, and it's right there, and then there was nothing here. It was a wide open gap, and that's where we built the wall, stepped in, and is solving the problem. So we've already closed off the lower end. Uh, no more human smuggling down here. And now uh, our crews have ascended all across this moderate grade, uh, and it goes to where you can't even see it, but around that corner, we're climbing the steep grade all the way up, and you can probably see a vehicle parked way up on top there and a rig, uh, a backhoe way up there. That's where we're stopping, uh, almost at the summit of the mountain. And remember, this is where the Army Corps of Engineers said, you can't build here. They told Fisher Industries it's impossible. There's no way you can actually put in a wall on this kind of rugged terrain. But we did it. And uh, I am just so pleased. And what a, what a fitting Memorial Day uh, tribute. Um, you know, Memorial Day is, of course, uh, honoring those Americans in uniform who paid the ultimate sacrifice defending other countries' borders in most cases and, and defending our borders, too. And uh, this is We Build the Wall's President of the United States defending our borders and doing so in a, in a really first-class way. Um, the, uh, the, the steel that's used here is actually better than the uh, garden variety mild steel, it's called, that is used uh, on most of the existing fence constructed by the federal government. That, that has a lifespan of 25 years. This has a lifespan of 75 years. So it's a first-class wall. Uh, so many of you will want to come down and visit it uh, at some point in the future. Just outstanding by Chris Kobach and the guys over at We Build the Wall. You know, one of the most overused words in the English language has become the term hero. And it's sort of been devalued because, uh, you know, people just doing their job, uh, firefighters and police officers and soldiers, are often referred to as heroes uh, when, in fact, um, you know, they're, they're doing their job. Hero has got to... Uh, refer to somebody who goes above and beyond the call of duty in a in a really heroic and selfless fashion to uh, to really deserve the use of the word. And we had Chris or uh, um, um, uh, Brian Colfage on this program, and I got to say, uh, the term hero was really coined to describe that young man. He joined the Air Force after 9-11, became part of their Special Forces organization, and, uh, and was grievously, almost mortally wounded in combat, became a triple amputee, only has his arm uh, remaining. But he continues to serve his country in, uh, in just stunning fashion, getting so much done. Um, he's, he's also a solid family man. With a beautiful wife and a beautiful family, and uh, he just really the uh, the very epitome of an American hero, and uh, and he has made this major milestone accomplishment now, despite the fact that uh, you know it was just last week when the press came out with this coordinated attack against his organization, trying to drive down their donations by claiming that they were um, 
ineffective and not spending the money as uh, was promised to their donors. And uh, and you would you can sort of see that there was, this was an effort to try to uh, dirty up the organization before they announced this major accomplishment. And a major a major accomplishment it is. It's uh, very strategically located and it's going to do a lot of good. So I just ask you to join me. Head on over to webuildthewall.org uh, and uh, and become part of their goal, GoFundMe effort to uh, to get this job done. I've got one more clip. It's uh, a lot shorter than the last one. This is from Steve Bannon, who is being uh, interviewed by Martha McCallum. He's actually over in Europe right now. Um, he doesn't want to claim that he's assisting with the uh, the take back of uh, the sovereignty in uh, in European nations, but uh, he was part of this effort that resulted in uh, huge gains from nationalist and populist parties in the EU elections, where they will enter the EU Parliament with a major voting block and will be uh, be very effective in restoring the sovereignty of the nations there in Europe. But here's what he had to say. He also sits on the board of We Build the Wall. Um, you're part of a group that built a mile of wall on private property in El Paso. Is that a trend that we're going to see continue? Well, we've raised money to try to do those places that the president's got, you know, a billion and a half dollars held up in the courts. The, the federal government's got where they're going to build it. There's certain aspects that they're not going to build. Uh, Brian Colfage and Chris Kobach and others have raised this money. And we're going to go around. We're already cutting deals all up and down the border to, on private property where the government's not going to build. We're going to be there and try to build the wall. We're outside of El Paso, Texas right now, uh, building the first batch of it. I think we're 85% completed on the first uh, three quarters of a mile. Because it connected, I think, 21 miles on either side um, and, and cut off an area that people were coming through. It's a very interesting project. Very interesting, very successful. So over in um, Europe this week, as I mentioned, we had these EU elections and Nigel Farage's uh, Brexit party in Great Britain, after only being in, in existence for six weeks, won those national elections. Now, you got to put that into context. It took the Labour Party... 45 years to ever arise to the point where they won a national election and just a little over 45 days nigel farage's brexit party has won uh, those eu elections in the united kingdom and those successes were mirrored in italy and france and poland and hungary and this is a uh, just a huge development and it's uh, uh, being reported now that um, in all of those nations, nationalists are favored to become the next prime ministers. There's talk that if, uh, if Britain doesn't exit the EU on the next deadline of October 31st, that Nigel Farage will certainly sweep into power as, as uh, the United Kingdom's next prime minister. Mario Salvini in Italy whose party won uh, the EU elections as well, is, uh, is the odds-on favorite to become the next prime minister of Italy. And the same is the case for Marie Le Pen in France, who, whose uh, party defeated uh, Emmanuel Macron's party in these last national elections. So this is just outstanding developments. Uh, these, are, these trends appear to be unstoppable. And they're very, very encouraging to watch. And as I said, uh, Steve Bannon 
after you know being excised from the Trump White House, has gone and taken his his uh, good news over there to uh, Europe and engineered helped to engineer, I should say, a major major victory. Well, this is also the week that uh, Joe Biden has uh, basically seized the front runner status, uh, almost the inevitable status of the next Democrat nominee. I think that is absolutely fabulous, fabulous, because Joe Biden is just Hillary Clinton incarnate. He's very low energy. He's past his shelf life. I don't want to call him old or call her old because, uh, you know, I'm not opposed to having somebody that uh, is is uh, in their later years as president of the United States. I think great uh, benefits can be had by that. But in the case of Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton, they're they're not only elderly, but they're very low energy. They're 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 not uh, aging well. And this last week on Memorial Day, Joe Biden couldn't even get off the couch and go campaign on one of the most critical days. Uh, you know, to start building up uh, a, a movement in New Hampshire or Iowa or these other early primary states. It's being said that uh, his, his team is trying to keep him away from the media because they don't want him answer or asking difficult questions about, um, for instance, his son Hunter getting a billion and a half dollars from the Chinese National Bank that coincided almost directly just 10 days later of Hunter Biden accompanying Joe, uh, Joe Biden on Air Force Two on a state visit to China, at which Joe Biden sold out American interests, both economically and militarily. And there's also this issue, of course, of uh, Joe Biden withholding or threatening to withhold loan guarantees from the United States if the prime minister of the Ukraine didn't fire a prosecutor that was looking into Joe Biden's company. So uh, he's corrupt, he's old, he's low energy, and it looks like he's probably going to be implicated in this whole Russiagate hoax as well. So, you know, I say, Democrats, bring on your impeachment process. Let's get going with it. And while you're at it, go ahead and nominate Joe Biden. This is all shaping up very nicely for a uh, Trump re-election victory. This last week also, we saw the NCAA... Division II Women's Track and Field Championship won by a biological male who has named himself Cece. Now, this is, uh, this is probably the peak um, fiasco of this whole transgender uh, men in women's sports. This guy has basically destroyed um, women to uh, track and field athletics. You've got these women in these events that have trained for years and years to reach this point, and they have, have had their dreams destroyed for them by this left-wing ideology that says that men and women are just interchangeable and there's no difference. They cannot acknowledge reality. You can file this under the left destroys everything it touches. And the next time they're arguing 
you know, climate change or the Russiagate hoax to you or any of these other hoaxes that they put together, just remember, you're talking to people who cannot acknowledge the basic biological differences between men and women and what was allowed to happen at these uh, women's track and field championships is just an utter disgrace and outrage. We're going to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Gary Goldman, and we're going to dig deep into the whole Robert Mueller smear campaign that he conducted this last Wednesday. Stick with us. We'll be back after two messages on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. Coming to you on the Mojo 5.0 radio network and our newly added affiliates on the Talk America radio network. Well, this last Wednesday morning, Robert Mueller took to the podium at the Department of Justice and threw gasoline on the smoldering impeachment fires by turning uh, the standard of proof in Western jurisprudence on its head and declaring that he could not say for certain that President Trump was innocent and urged Congress to take up the case, all but assuring that the remainder of Trump's first term in office would be consumed by this continuing Russiagate hoax and leaving no time for Congress to actually turn its attention to the people's business. To discuss this, we're joined now by national political analyst and radio host Gary Goldman. His show is Business, Politics, and Lifestyles, airing on WCRN 830 in Boston, Ma, as the click and clack brothers like to say. (laughs) Gary, thanks for joining us again. My pleasure to be back on with you. It's uh, been an interesting couple of days, hasn't it? It really has. So in his press conference, uh, where he refused to to take any questions, I don't know what kind of press conference that is, Mueller insisted that his report, 440 pages or so of smears and innuendos, speaks for itself. So, Gary, why do you think he found it necessary to stir the pot at this time? I think there's there's a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, one being that uh, there's a part of me that believes that he thought his report initially may have done more damage to the president. um, And he was hoping that he wouldn't have to even be put in this position. But, you know, hence we see what, you know, nothing really happened. People read the report. People understood what was going on. There were those on the left that still, you know, were pushing the narrative that something happened. And, but, you know, when you look at the polls, a portion of the American people said they've had enough with that, with this. So I think that may be part of it. And the other part that, you know, I, I hated to say I told you so to some of my friends, but I was more than happy to say that. You say when they would tell me what a great uh, unbiased person uh, Mueller was and he was the perfect guy to handle this particular situation, to me, he's you know, he's nothing more than um, a shill for the Democrats. And he's part of this, you know, uh, deep state uh, group that has nothing on their mind but to harm this presidency and do whatever they can to harm Donald Trump. And uh, he didn't do anything to help 
the average American person yesterday, all he did was stall our government for another year or two to talk about something that, in his own report, from my perspective and a lot of other people, cleared the president. So, I mean, it's like we're back, almost back to ground one, zero again, and here we go again. We're going to start this whole mess up again. And and the funny part is when, when, when you talk to, I've talked to some listeners, you know, callers, and they say to me, well, now we can finally get the president for what he did with Russia and the lies and, and his um, obstruction. I'm like, did you not read the report? Did you Do you not understand what's going on here? But I think the hatred for President Trump has taken over the mindset of most of a lot of people and it's affecting their judgment. And in this particular case, I think Mueller is just part of that whole group that wants nothing good to happen to this presidency. You know, Gary, when they appointed Robert Mueller, I, I, I just could not stop shaking my head as all of these uh, establishment Republicans and partisan Democrats declared that he was the perfect man for the job, a, a model of integrity and virtue. When it was obvious on its face that he was that the very idea that he would accept this appointment uh, with his evident and and disqualifying conflicts of interest uh, showed that he, in fact, was nothing of the sort. James Comey, I mean, uh, uh, Robert Mueller was James Comey's mentor at the FBI. How in the world can you appoint someone to investigate a possible obstruction of justice? for firing James Comey that is a close personal friend and professional mentor to the same guy. It, it blew my mind, and, and it, it seems to be a part of the case that continues to get little coverage. It is absurd. If Robert Mueller ever tried to take a case to trial against Donald Trump for obstructing justice by firing James Comey, he would be laughed out of court based on these com- conflicts of interest, and yet... Nobody seems to care. No. Well, I mean, look, at we have a biased media, and unfortunately there's, there's a percentage of our population that live and die by everything that the media says or does not say. Social media is not helping in any regard. But Robert Mueller is a phony. I mean, you know, he, he, he played, he's played his hand to some degree, you know, well from maybe his perspective, but he, this, this has been he, a well-orchestrated plan on his part. And anyone who sits here and tells me that, no, he's just following up on what he wrote in his report, you know what he should have done yesterday? Picked up his bags, left, closed his office, and left, and nothing else should have been, should have been said. He had to continue to stir the pot by making the comments and the way he worded things. And that's exactly what he do. It was calculated. He knew what he was doing, and he did it. And now we're, you know, now we've got everyone thinking that there's something else here that, you know, we're going to get. Yeah, we're going to get the president. We're still going to get the president. We're still going to get the president. But Mueller is was in a position like you just said. Um, how could he be investigating Comey and Comey, who is a fraud in and of himself, who continues to go come out every day and come up with all sorts of different narratives? Because I think he. He knows that sooner or later he's going to have some trouble on his hands. But most people would have said, wait a second, how can we have a special prosecutor who is involved on a one-on-one basis with the people that he's trying to investigate? Common sense should have prevailed right from the start. And you know what? When, when the Republicans were in control of the House and Senate, they had the opportunity to stop some of this stuff. But unfortunately, the president has a lot of enemies within his own party. 
that have caused him a lot of the problems that he's having today. So, you know, how this is going to shake out, I'm not even sure at this point. All I know is we're going to waste a lot more time and a lot more money. And, you know, we look at the great things that President Trump has done, but it's going to come to some sort of, you know, not a halt, but he's not going to do as much as he could do if he wasn't distracted by this problem. Well, my theory of the appointment of Robert Mueller as a special counsel from the beginning was that uh, he was there to run a rear guard action for the misconduct that was uh, taking place in the FBI, his FBI. He was the second longest serving director of the FBI in history. And a lot of this, uh, the origins of this abuse of uh, FISA warrants and NSA um, uh, collected intelligence began under uh, Robert Mueller's watch. Uh, and there was a finding from the FISA court judge in 2017. It went largely unnoticed uh, because of all of the hysteria around the Russiagate hoax. But the FISA court judge found that going back to 2012, the Obama administration allowed private contractors to access tens of thousands of phone calls, emails, and text messages that are collected on every citizen in this country uh, by the uh, NSA. And that happened under Robert Mueller's watch. Now, whether Robert Mueller was the actual recipient of that information that was collected by these uh, private contractors that he hired is uh, is going to be one of the things that uh, Bill Barr looks into. But the man's just so conflicted, it's an absurdity that he was the one that uh, was appointed to conduct this investigation. And he was appointed, and what did he hire? 19 leftist liberal lawyers and no conservatives. I mean, surprise, surprise, right? Surprise, surprise. Look at the team that he had in there. I mean, you know, I was outraged. I, I couldn't believe that more people were not outraged. Look at, we want a fair, we, we want the truth to come out, uh, period. But when, when you're stacking the deck and the tactics that he used, um, Having talked to, you know, Jerome Corsi, I don't know if you've spoken to Jerome Corsi in the past, but what was done during these hearings and what it was like, you know, what was done in the Soviet Union years ago when they'd want to get information from people. Show me Put the man and I'll, I'll find you the crime. Right, right. And, and you know, if you don't do this, we're going to do this to your family. Or we're going to bring your family in for questioning. You know, every American, doesn't matter what your political affiliation is, should be outraged over this. Look at there was no matter what the bottom line. One of the bottom lines here is that they attempted a coup in this country, a soft coup. They can call it whatever they want, and to just think that that is going to go without being challenged, and those that were involved in it are not going to be held responsible is scary to think. And that's why I hope Barr, is uh, Attorney General Barr, is doing the right thing and is starting to go after these people. And I think he has to, as he gains information, he can't play politics with it. Because playing politics with it, you know, say, well, I investigated so-and-so and I found this information. You have to get to the root of the problem and you have to start indicting people. And then they're going to know they're serious. And that's the only thing that I think will stop some of the story and this narrative narrative from continually going on is if A.G. Barr can indict someone and say, look, it, that's number one. There are more to come and we're going to find out how this happened. Because otherwise the Democrats think they're in control. And they keep spewing these false stories on a regular basis. Look at their obstruction theory on obstruction changed last week from last week to this week. It will change again. They're doing whatever they can to 
stop this, try and stop this president from being reelected. And, you know, their plan, that's, that's their plan. They don't care. They don't care what they do and who they harm. They, they certainly don't seem to care about the damage that they're doing to the nation. They're, they're taking their own personal institutional loyalty and, and covering up their uh, their past misdeeds and putting it ahead of the uh, the well-being of the country. But, you right. know, you spoke a, a little bit back there about uh, these process crimes, that yep. uh, this prosecutorial misconduct where they, well, they the force people information. Yep. where they force people to plead guilty to some sort of process crime. They did it to Michael Flynn. They did yep. it to George Papadopoulos. They're doing it to Roger Stone. They tried to do it to Jerome Corsi, accuse them of lying and insist that they plead to that in order to, uh, you know, to keep them uh, quiet and, and smear them up, dirty them up. And it appears to me that that's exactly what they did with Donald Trump. You know, they knew apparently early on in, t- in this investigation that what, there was, in fact, no collusion no conspiracy with the Trump campaign in Russia, and that's what they ultimately found. But when did they find that? If they found that early on in these investigations, then all of these uh, so-called instances of obstruction of justice, none of which actually uh, um, arises to the level of actual obstruction, but none of those instances, or I should say all of those instances, took place after Mueller knew he had no case. Just another attempt at entrapment, uh, trying to uh, goad someone into committing a process crime so that they can uh, have something, you know, that wasn't there to begin with when they started their investigation. Yeah, and I think that's a great point because I think we have to find out when Mueller knew that this was a farce. I I think Mueller's going to have to be subpoenaed whether he, you know, talks or not. Um, he has to be subpoenaed. He just can't walk, make a comment like he did yesterday and walk away and say, hey, I'm off to the private sector. But, you know, Jerome Corsi, to me, was a big part of, I really believe, of this investigation starting to come to an end. Because when they realized that Corsi was not going to give, that he was willing to go to jail, and then he, you know, obviously filed his lawsuits against the government and Mueller and this whole gang, I think they started to realize we may have an issue here. And I think... You got to, you, you know, hats off to Jerome Corsi for, for what he was put through physically, mentally, and financially. Well, John, uh, Jerome Corsi had to make the decision that he was willing to die in jail rather than right. uh, succumb to this. And really, he called their bluff because they didn't dare go into court and and try to prove this case against Jerome Corsi because a lot of other uh, misconduct on their part would have come out. Right, right, and they and I knew that, and then I, you know, I think they. They, they realize they may have gone a bit too far. And, you know, what they're doing, what, you know, that comment that Mueller made yesterday and what it does to the psyche of this country. You know, look, at country can be doing well financially, but you always got to be worried about the psyche of a country. You're talking about this comment people. right here. And as set forth in the report after that investigation, if we had had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. Where the hell do you find that in any jurisprudence or any any yeah. first-year law student would know that that is not the standard of proof that we exercise in this country? You're innocent before the eyes of the law until a prosecutor can prove you guilty. He is not there to de- determine whether or not you're innocent. He's only there to uh, determine whether or not he can prove a crime beyond a reasonable doubt. Right, right. 
And and he knew, and that's why I say this was you know a well calculated statement to you know give a helping hand to his friends on the left to work to move forward with this keep this impeachment theory and hearings possible hearings alive. And uh, I think he has to be held accountable for these statements. And look at. <laughs> I don't see that ever happening. I, I've never seen any of the people um, in the swamp held accountable for anything. John Podesta engaged in exactly the same activity. I mean, Tony Podesta engaged in exactly the same activity that uh, that Paul Manafort is being sent to jail for, and they have yet to indict or even uh, you know investigate him. Yeah, I, and but that's the problem at hand. I mean, you and I agree with you. I mean, will we see justice? I doubt it, but that is the problem at hand. We cannot pick and choose who we're going to, you know, who we're going to investigate and who, then file charges against and who we're going to let go for doing basically the same exact thing. But that's what's happening here. There's, there's two, you know, two levels of justice going on in this country right now. But the comment that you just played that he made, I mean, how can't that be calculated? He knew exactly what he was doing and why he was doing it. And, uh, you know, again, what it does to the people within the country, what it's doing to the nation and how other co- countries may be looking at us is absolutely concerning. But the fact that we have to continue living through this nonsense and wasting money and wasting time and not dealing with the issues at hand, whether it be the border, whether it be infrastructure, there's a number of different things that have to be dealt with. This particular group that is in Washington right now, the American people are letting them off with a free pass. Hopefully, come the election day, twenty and twenty, they'll uh, we'll make some changes. But uh, it's unbelievable what's going on. It's really unbelievable, and it's it's disheartening to see this continuing. Because look at, I don't know how President Trump gets up and goes to work every day. Man. It takes a sp- certain individual to accomplish what he's accomplishing. And be under the, this type of pressure, and look, you know you're innocent, and yet they continue to make these allegations and comments about you. And then if you try, if you try to defend yourself, uh, you need an intervention. There's they they, wrong acu- with they accuse character. you of obstruction. Yeah. Hey, stand right. by just a second, real quick, yeah. Gary, while I uh, run out and pay some bills. You know the the left wing in this country is creating utter chaos. And it's gotten to the point where we're not going to be able to reverse it if we don't stop it now. Extreme far right politicians or far left politicians have become unhinged and media bias is at an all time high. You can support the values you believe in by choosing to pay your bill, your cell phone bill every month with a company that supports your conservative causes. Veteran led Patriot Mobile, America's only conservative cell phone company provides reliable nationwide coverage, and it's easy to switch. You can keep your same number, bring your own device, or you can buy a new one. No hidden fees, no roaming charges, and no liberal agenda. Patriot Mobile donates over $2 million to causes that you support with the Heritage Foundation, the National Rifle Association, and other conservative groups. And imagine what you could do with them on your side. With unlimited talk and text, starting as low as $25 a month, Visit Patriot Mobile today at PatriotMobile.com slash Mojo50. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Mojo50. Join me now and switch to Patriot Mobile. Well, Gary, I'm going to play a a clip real quick. Um, This is uh, Mueller yesterday in his uh, opening remarks. 
basically saying that uh, he is um, he's closing up shop and getting the hell out of Dodge. He's not going to answer any questions. Now, I have not spoken publicly during our investigation. I'm speaking out today because our investigation is complete. The Attorney General has made the report on our investigation largely public. We are formally closing the Special Counsel's office, and as well, I'm resigning from the Department of Justice to return to private life. Well, that was not the clip I was looking for. Uh, he, He said in his comments that... He did not intend to answer any questions before Congress or uh, from the press. And you can see quite clearly why he would not want to, because there are some questions uh, that would be put to him by Jim Jordan and, and uh, Meadows and, and maybe even Lindsey Graham that uh, would certainly expose this, uh, this whole um, charade for what it is. Yeah. And, you know, it goes back. Look, at, I, I was never a big fan of the special count having a special counsel. I thought it was a bad idea to begin with. Uh, you know, you, uh, you look at maybe a uh, neutral, nonpartisan investigative commission would have been better looking into this all Russian thing, because this is what you get when you put together a special counsel. You get the Robert Mueller's, and it has a lasting effect in a negative way on the country, and I think this one is going to be around for a while. Look, at there, you know, and the other part of this, there are people that are honestly like, confused he made this statement yesterday he wouldn't take any questions and people may have worked themselves to say okay we're over this let's go forward are sort of getting back in the in the corner of the those that want to look at this again and you know whether it's through uh impeachment hearings or whatever they want to do so he, he just created a level of chaos in this country that we don't need and again it stops us from doing the things that we need to be doing but i don't think he can just be let off the hook. I mean, I, I honestly believe he should be subpoenaed, and uh, he's got to be whether he answers the questions or not. That's another story. But you got to pose them to him. In well, a, in I think a, I think he does life. have to answer these questions. Yeah. If you pose them to him, he what what basis would he refuse to answer them? One of the questions yeah, well, I would like to see him ask is, who was Joseph Mifsud working for? They interviewed Joseph Mifsud. He has been represented as an agent for Russia. When, in fact, he is uh, closely tied with, with Western intelligence, including the CIA and MI6, he's the one that salted this information with George Papadopoulos that was supposedly later collected by Alexander Downer that started this whole counterintelligence investigation against uh, the Trump campaign. Yeah, I mean, look, at I, I, I'm with you all the way. He, he has to be, you know, he has to be asked these questions. He, and we have to find, we have to continue to, dig into it and, and find the answers to the questions that you just proposed. And uh, there's no way around it. And I, but I do believe that A.G. Barr is, is working on this. Uh, I just think time is of the essence now. I mean, we're, we're, you know, halfway through 2019. We have another year to go, 2020. I mean, next year is going to be a campaign year um, for the president. We want this stuff behind us, and I just don't see how it's going to get behind us on the path that we're taking. Well, I think the only thing that Barr could do is start uh, uh, letting, uh, publicizing some of this information, letting it uh, be made public uh, as he determines it, because he, he doesn't have time in the remainder of this first presidential term to do a full and complete investigation. And then at the end of it, uh, issue a report by that time, it's going to be too late. The president may 
um, you know, have been impeached by then, and certainly they will have given enough fodder to the Democrat candidates to, uh, to you know, mortally wound him. But, um, you know, if there are transcripts with this conversation with Mifsud and Papadopoulos, that proves that it wasn't a, a, a Russian operation. If, uh, if there are transcripts from uh, the conversations that Alexander Downer and uh, Stephen Halper had with Papadopoulos, and that would be very interesting to see if those were misrepresented in, as, the, as the basis of this, this um, counterintelligence. And if they were, in fact, spying on other members of the campaign, if they had other CIA and FBI operatives in there like Peter Sater or Hank Greenberg, we need to know that as well. Right. And we, and, and time, like I said, time is of the essence. And you're right. As you come up with this information, you have to start getting it out in the public's eye because look at by the fall, we're into a, you know, the real initial phase of this election process. Who knows what's going to happen, as you said, with the impeachment, but you don't want the, the, the next election uh, process coming up with this constant, Hey, well, how can I really vote? For, you know, Trump did okay, but how can I vote for him when he may have done this, may have done that? Because they left those questions out there. We have to get the questions answered, and they have to be answered immediately. And I still say somebody, I, I don't know who it's going to be, whom it's going to be, but somebody has to be indicted, and we you have to just keep going down through the pecking order. Look, I want to know the FISA courts, what really went on in those courts, and those judges have an obligation to protect the American people. Um, to me, it sounded like they were awful haphazard the way they issued those, um, that, you know, the warrants that they issued out to do what, you know, the, uh, I, I lost my train of thought on that, but to get the information that they wanted. Right. I, I mean, there, there were a lot of questions that need to be answered. Well, how, how's, this, not, how's this for a question? If... Robert Mueller were uh, tasked with investigating Russian interference in the 2016 election. Why did he fail to look at the Russian sources of the the smears that were contained in the Steele dossier that were paid for by the DNC and Hillary Clinton and used to get these FISA warrants? If you're concerned about Russian interference, certainly the Russian interference in this election has no greater uh, example than this uh, this information that was supposedly co- came from Kremlin intel sources that smeared Donald Trump and turned out to be false. Was it in, was it purposely false? Was it disinformation or was it just lies put together by Christopher Steele? Yeah, and I mean I, I'm of the opinion that uh, it was a, there was much too much disinformation going on there. And, and you know, my, look, at I still want to know how far up the Obama administration uh, chain that, the, you know, that there was knowledge to what was going on. And, and if President Obama and Joe Biden, Vice President Biden knew, you know, were so concerned about the Russian well, uh, interference, why weren't they giving more information to the Trump campaign? Well, there, you know? it, there it is, Gary. Right. Uh, right. Joe yeah. Biden, what did he know? You want him and, to be the next president if he participated in this uh, this Russiagate hoax, if he was uh, if he was in on these meetings with uh, Brennan and Obama when they were deciding to send operatives run uh, entrapment schemes against members of the Trump campaign, then he he's got to answer for that as well. Right, and the more I read and the more I'm reading about meetings that he was involved in and 
numerous sources trying to check sources. I think uh, Vice President Biden will have a problem, hence if he if he is able to get the nomination, because I think he was well aware of what was going on. I mean, um, and I, and again, I, I want to know how far up this this Obama chain this went, because um, again, there was no help, there was no warnings that you know to help the campaign it was how can we entrap them how, how how can we make them look bad and that was their motivation how can we pawn this off on the trump administration uh, but most people well, cert- well certainly it went into the white house now oh, whether no or not went, went right yeah. into the oval office but uh, susan rice and sally yates and uh, the u.n ambassador whose name uh, escapes me right now they were unmasking people at a uh, a furious clip they were um, basically eavesdropping on American citizens. And uh, and I don't believe that any of this went on without Obama's knowledge. You know, we know that uh, Brennan was delivering these manila envelopes to, um, uh, to Obama that were not included in the daily intelligence briefing. I want to know what's in those envelopes. I think we need, we need to know. And look, at, uh, you know, I'll be perfectly frank. I've never been a, a fan of President Obama and his administration. But I, 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 it, my gut feeling tells me it was pretty far up the chain, and there's a good part of me that tells me that he was aware of what was We got to end it right there, Gary. Gary Goldman is a national political analyst and radio host of Business, Politics, and Lifestyles, airing weekly on WCRN 830 in Boston, Massachusetts. You can follow him on Twitter at Gary on BPL. That's Gary on BPL. Gary, thanks for joining us again. I hope you'll come back my pleasure really enjoyed it look forward to speaking to you again take care when the weather outside is frightful the hyundai santa fe is hmm, what's the word delightful because it's got available h-track all-wheel drive to make being out together better Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more.